Praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm glad, and I'm rejoicing in it. My friends, this is an unprecedented times that we're in. It's, it, it feels so almost so weird this morning because I'm coming to you live from my basement in Bethlehem, Georgia. For as far as I know, for as far as I know, I cannot remember since the days that I'm at home on a church day. But such is the times in which we're living in. As you well know, the entire world is responding to this coronavirus crisis. And in my own county in Guanate, Georgia, everything is on lockdown, basically. And so that's why this morning I'm not able to broadcast from the sanctuary as we did in the previous Sundays. And so I want to welcome everyone from far and near, from the north, the south, the east and the west, all over the world, and in particular, my work fine brothers and sisters. I want to welcome you this morning to this broadcast, again, coming to you in my study <laughs> in Bethlehem, Georgia. And so before I get into the message this morning, let me just remind you of the uh, events or the other things that's yet to come so that we all can plan to participate. Again, this is unprecedented times that call for unprecedented measures or response. And that's why here at World Outreach Church for All Nations, we are not only broadcasting on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock as we are doing now, also on Tuesday at 8 p.m., we are uh, galvanizing, inviting all of you as many as able to join us as we pray for our world. You know, uh, at World Outreach Church for All Nations, uh, we build strong families and serve global communities. One of the ways in which we serve the global communities is through our prayers, not just for Georgia or the United States, but our prayers for the entire globe, the entire world. We partner together with God to believe God that praise and righteousness will spring forth all over the earth to the glory of the Lord God Almighty. So on Tuesday nights, we pray at 8 p.m. And I want to ask you to join in on that prayer. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We believe that through the intervention and the cooperation of the body of Christ through praying, we are going to kick this virus in the teeth to the glory of God. Amen? So on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, like what you're hearing me right now, Tuesdays at 8 p.m., and then on Wednesday night, we are going to broadcast to you uh, life group meetings or, re or midweek refill. That's what we call it, actually. Midweek refill at 7.30. And then on Friday noon, we come back again for more praying. Again, Sunday at 10 o'clock, Tuesday at 8 o'clock, Wednesday at 7.30, and 
Friday at 12 noon. By the way, this is all Eastern Standard Time. All right. Again, I want to welcome all of you that's joining us this morning. Uh, where you are, it may be afternoon, it may be nighttime. I don't know what time it is, where you are, but in Atlanta, Georgia right now, it's 10.09 a.m. And so I want to welcome all of you. Thank you so much for allowing us to come into your space, into your home, to bring you a little word of encouragement, and that together, as we stand united, we will overcome. And that even this shall pass. So this morning, I just want to go to the scriptures very quickly and bring us a word from Jeremiah chapter 8 in verse 22. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22. The Bible reads, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people. Let me read that one more, one more time, just one verse. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Now, for background, you must understand the time in which Jeremiah is ministering. And the title for this message, by the way, let me just give you a title right now. The title is going to be called, There is a Balm in Gilead. There is a bomb in Gilead. Now, so Jeremiah was one of those uh, prophets who prophesied to Israel. As a matter of fact, he was a priest and also a prophet. Amen? And he prophesied at a time when Israel, as a witness to the entire world, was in decline and spiritual apostasy. Amen? Now, if you read chapter 7 of Jeremiah, actually leading up to chapter 7, yes, chapter 7 of Jeremiah highlights for us some of the major failures in Israel that precipitated this uh, prophet to ask the question he just asked. Let me just list them for us. And we can find a contemporary connection between that decline and apostasy in Israel with what's happen, happening globally around us now. Number one, he talked about the pride in their, in their gatherings. Israel believed, uh, they, they, they kept on saying, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord. In other words, they so much prided themselves that the only temple where God dwelt in all of the world was in Israel. Amen? They took pride in the fact that the temple of God was in Israel and therefore that God dwelt in that temple. In other words, they esteemed the house more than the God of the house. Uh, they had a pride of belonging. Uh, now the Bible in the New Testament says it this way. To have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So number one, they had pride in their gatherings. They had pride of association with the temple of the Lord. Secondly, there was rampant social injustice that was taking place in Israel. Remember, Israel was a model nation. Remember, Israel was to be the example. It was to be the lighthouse for the rest of the nations in order to know God. So there was also rampant social injustice. There was unjust 
legal system that only works for the rich and the privileged. I think we should all be familiar with that. There was oppression of the poor and the weak among them, as we also should be very much aware today. There was a neglect of the most vulnerable among them. And, of course, there was shedding of innocent blood. By contemporary words today, we may substitute that for the word abortion. Also, there was moral depravity, whereby they call good evil and evil good. Then there was idolatry, which is simply a devotion for someone or something other than God. And then lastly, they reduced the word of God to what we can call relative truth. What do I mean by that? That's the same thing we have today. In other words, if it feels good, then it's true. Forget what God says about it. If it feels good to you, just do it. It's true. So quickly, let me just go over this again. Number one, there was pride. They had pride in their gatherings. Number two, they had social injustice going on left, right, center. Number three, there was moral depravity all around them. And of course, there was idolatry. And then they reduced the, God, the word of God to relative truth. So the question Jeremiah asked in his day, seeing all these things that were happening around him, is, is there no balm in Gilead? In other words, is, is there no healing for the things that's happening around us? Is there no answer to the ills and the depravity and the social and moral decay and decline that's all around us? Is there no balm in Gilead? And I'm going to answer Jeremiah's question today. First of all, let me say this because I'm reading some blogs and I'm hearing left, right, center. People are already coming up with their own commentary on what's happening with coronavirus. People are saying this is a judgment from God and that the world is coming to an end. Well, first of all, let me allay your fears of that. This is not the end of the world. And... I really don't believe that this is a judgment from God. Now, I will define that. This cannot be a judgment from God any more than the law of gravity is a judgment from God. What am I saying? What do I mean by that? Well, if I climb a 10-story building and decide to fall or to jump off that story building, I'm coming down. It's just that simple. The law of gravity takes effect. If I climb a 10-story building and choose and decide to jump off that building, I am going to come down. Even if I pray, I ask God for deliverance, I ask God to give me wings to fly, it does not matter. Why? Because the law of gravity is the law of gravity. You cannot call that if a man does that and jumps and crashes their, their head and dies or something happens to them, you cannot say that that's the judgment of God. No. No. There's a difference between unintended consequences of my bad choices versus the judgment of God. If I continue to make bad choices, there are unintended consequences that has nothing to do with God. If I choose to drink poison that I know is poison, labeled as poison, and I drink it, when the consequence starts happening, I cannot blame that on God. You know what? You can't even blame that on the devil. In fact, 
we give the devil way too much credit than he deserves. Because we blame everything either on God or the credit, and we leave ourselves as victims. Again, there are consequences, intended or unintended, for every bad choice we make. In the judgments of God that we have seen biblically, it is very clear that God makes a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. You remember the flood of, of Noah in Genesis that destroyed the entire earth. In that judgment, even, go, even though the earth was destroyed, God saved a remnant, Noah and his families. While the rest of the world was judged, the righteous family was preserved. Again, we see in the plagues of Egypt, as God judged that nation, which at that time represented the entire earth, we saw that in the judgment of Egypt, yet there was Goshen. Goshen was where the people of God dwelt, and as the plagues were coming down upon Egypt, Goshen and the righteous people of God were preserved. Amen? In this case that we are looking at, in this case that's before us, Many righteous people have perished. I already reported the other day of 57 priests in Italy that died of coronavirus. 57. And then, of course, in the United States, I know for a fact that we have a few pastors that have also been victims of this uh, uh, deadly uh, coronavirus. So I'm saying this to, dis to dispel this notion that this is a judgment of God. No. Sin has consequences. And so, when, when we are beginning to see the consequences of sin, we cannot blame that on God. Amen? When we make bad choices, there will be bad consequences. Let's call a spade a spade and don't let's blame God. God, in fact, is the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can deliver us. And I know he stands ready to do just that. God does not need a judgment in order to, to, to save or deliver us. The Bible says... It is the goodness of God that, 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 that brings men to repentance. Now, one thing we can see in what's going on around us, I remember years ago, my wife and I, we took, uh, when, when we took our first cruise, I will never forget that. Uh, we got on the boat, the boat sailed, left the, left the, uh, the port. Uh, a couple of hours later, we were on high seas. I will never forget this as long as I live. I looked out of my window, out of the balcony, and I saw nothing but sea for as far as my eyes could see. Woo! I turned around, I told my wife, I said, man, Sharon, only a fool will say there's no God. What am I saying? When I saw the expanse of the seas that God made and the boat that we were on that mm, accommodated anywhere from three to 4,000 human beings, which... In any given situation, in any given gathering, that will be a mega gathering. But when you put that boat of three, 4,000 people, in contrast to the expanse of God's creation and his sea, woo, you have to say, God, you are truly God. So I'm saying this to say, the world has been struck with one virus. One, just one virus. And the entire earth has come to a standstill. Now, that should tell us, 
that we are serving a living, mighty, powerful God. And that our salvation, our deliverance, our well-being and welfare, everything else is only in the hand of God. Now, let me go back to our text a little bit because uh, my time is flying. Again, in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22, uh, that verse of scripture says, uh, let me just read it one more time. It says, there are no bam in Gilead. Is there no physician there? Why then is there no good recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Now, let me give us the characteristics or the background of Gilead so you understand what Jeremiah is saying clearly and how that speaks to me and you today. Gilead, where this bomb was found, was a mountainous region east of Jordan. And from its mountainous character, it is called the Mount of Gilead. You see this in Genesis chapter 31, in verse 21, and verse 25. Gilead means, and take note of this, the hill of testimony. The hill of testimony. So number one, it was, Gilead was in mountainous region east of Jordan. Number two, this tree that produced this bomb, which is actually the balsam tree, B-A-L-S-A-L-M, balsam tree. That's where the balm of Gilead is found. This tree was unattractive. Unattractive. It was not like the cedar of Lebanon, nor of the fir trees that's found in California. None of that. It was very unattractive. Number three, about this Gilead and the balm and the tree. It had to be pierced in order for the sap that produced the oil to flow. Now you say, Pastor Bank, what's all of this got to do with me today? Well, I'm glad you're asking because I'm going to tell you in a minute. Number one, I said to you that Gilead was found on a mountainous region of east of Gilead, or east of Jordan rather, and that it means the hill of testimony. So when Jeremiah was asking the question, is there a bomb in Gilead? Yes, in his time and in his day, there was a physical Gilead and there was a physical bomb that Israel and the world around them knew and recognized for its medicinal values. It brought healing, it brought soothing. They knew this balm of Gilead in Jeremiah's time for its medicinal values. And so, we are told it's found on a hill. And this hill, Gilead, is called the hill of testimony. Please compare that with the hill called Mount Calvary. Because at Mount Calvary, there was another tree. Glory to God. Number two, we are told that it was an unattractive uh, uh, tree. In Isaiah chapter 53, in verses 1 and 2, we are told that Jesus will be as a tender plant before God and that he has no form nor comeliness and that when we see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. So you, be, you can begin to see here that this balm of Gilead of which Jeremiah spoke was not just a physical tree per se, but is the, in the person of none other but the Son of God. Number three, we are told that this tree had to be pierced in order for the sap to flow. When in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, we are told 
that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And that by his stripes we are healed. So you see now that this tree or this balm of which Jeremiah was speaking actually was a future prophetic sign to our day and our time by which Jesus would have come, would have become the tree that was planted on the hills of Calvary, would have become the one that had no form or comeliness that any one of us, because he had no beauty, should desire him, and that he will be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement for our peace will be upon him. So I ask that question again. Is there balm in Gilead? Hallelujah. It is amazing to me to say that as this whole crisis is taking place, the heads of states has made very feeble calls upon the church to help in this crisis. It is amazing. We have pulled together a coalition, first responders, healthcare practitioners, scientists, leaders of industry to make ventilators and anything that we need. We've put together a good coalition. And let me just say this. These guys are doing the best they can. I thank God for them. They're doing a great work. We bless the Lord for their contribution to help in this matter. But the question still arises, why have the nations not called upon the name of the Lord with fervency, with desperation? Why? Why, are we not, why do we not recognize that the answer is in the church? Again, I thank God for our healthcare practitioners. And, and again, I cannot say that enough because they are doing all they can. They are really, really working around the clock. But, do we not remember that the first person to die in this crisis was the doctor in China? This is the case of physician healed herself. I mean, if the doctors had the answer, the man would not die. So the point I'm making is, yes, there's a bomb in Gilead. And that bomb is not just in Gilead today. It's all over the world. Whenever Israel of old Find himself or herself in a crisis. The king always summoned the prophet or the church for an answer. In Jeremiah 37 verse 7. No, Jeremiah 37 verse 17. The king Zedekiah called Jeremiah. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. Again, we see this also again in 1 Kings 22, verse 7. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Hallelujah. My question this morning, my challenge to us this morning is, where are the Josephs of our time? There was only one Joseph in Egypt. And as a result of his ministry, Egypt and the rest of the world was saved. Where are the Daniels of our time? There was only one Daniel in Babylon. And he was the difference. He was the game changer. Oh, now I'm not going to leave the ladies out. Where are the Esthers of our day? There was only one Esther in Persia. And that one Esther was a game changer that delivered the Jews from the hands of the enemy. 
So I'm saying to us this morning, with a resounding confidence that there is a bomb in Gilead. We've just been looking at the wrong places. I heard the Bible said in Psalms 121, I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from where is coming my help. Notice what it says. He's going to lift up his eyes to the hills, not to man, not to government, not to our healthcare givers, as good as they are. He's going to lift up his eyes onto the hills, not looking at the problem, but looking at the solution. And I'm calling you this morning, my my brothers and my sisters all over the world. Let us do as the psalmist was doing. He said, I will lift up my eyes onto the hills. Why? Because there from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you, Israel, will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Oh my God, we serve a God this morning. He's not asleep and he does not slumber. He's always on the watch. He's always on the case. God has your back. That's why we must look unto him and not unto man. Looking unto Jesus, the author on the finish of our faith in the name of Jesus. Behold, he equips Israel who shall not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. Yes, the Lord is your keeper this morning. No matter where you are, no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what the enemy is saying, even if you have coronavirus, I want to tell you know that the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not take, strike you by day, nor the moon by night. My Lord and my God, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in. From this time forth, even forevermore. Hallelujah. Glory be to my God. Yes, God is the answer. Hallelujah. Jesus is the balm of Gilead. Hallelujah. Has Jehovah Sinkenu is our righteousness. Has Jehovah Shammah is our ever-present trouble in the time of trouble. Is our ever-present help in the time of trouble. Has Jehovah El Shaddai is the almighty God, the God of sufficiency. Has Jehovah Rapha, Jesus is our healer. Has Jehovah Jari is our provider. Has Adonai Jehovah is our covenant relating God. Has Jehovah Nis see the Lord is my banner, my conqueror, and is my victor. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Jesus is the answer. He's the only one that can deliver us. He seeks and wants to deliver us, but we must turn to him. We must acknowledge him. We must call upon his name as never before. Hallelujah. And so if you're out there this morning, and perhaps you do not know this Jesus I'm talking about, I want to give you an invitation. I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus. He wants to be your Jehovah Roy. He wants to be your shepherd. The Bible says in Psalm 23 verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If that is you this morning that has not called upon the name of the Lord Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and as your shepherd. He wants to guide you in this difficult time. Will you let him do that? Would you allow Jesus to come into your heart to guide you in this hour? Would you allow Jesus to steal the fears? Would you allow Jesus to take care of the anxiety and the worries that you are in? Would you allow Jesus to give you the peace that passes all understanding? Would you allow Jesus to be the one that is ever present 
in the time of trouble in your life. If that is you this morning, I want to give you an invitation. I want to encourage you. Say this prayer with me. Mean it with all of your heart. Know for sure that Jesus does not want to destroy you. He wants to save you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, yes, whosoever, whoever you may be, whatever you may have done, it does not matter. Whosoever shall believe on his name shall be saved. So I want to say to you, it does not matter what your background is, where you've been, what you've done. When you come to Jesus, it's an equalizer. It takes care of all of that. You don't have to be right to come. In fact, when you are as bad as you can be, that's really when the call is stronger. Amen? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not whosoever is good. So Jesus is giving an open invitation right now. He wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to deliver you. Don't pass up this chance. It's the only answer. It's the balm of Gilead that we're all looking for. But you cannot begin to apply that balm until you first become one of his. And so, I want to pray a prayer with you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that shall be saved. It's as simple as that. Believing that Jesus paid the price for all of your sins and offers you the gift of forgiveness. And when you do that, it makes you righteous. The Bible says, God made him to be seen, Jesus, him that knew no sin, that in and through him, you and I can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's a gift, my friend. God wants to give you a gift. Would you accept that gift this morning? That gift of his righteousness. And when you do, and you accept that gift, you are right by him. Not because of your behavior, but because of your position. Because of his abundant grace. Because of his love and because of his mercy. And of course, when you encounter Jesus, he changes your behavior. Everything you're trying to do on your own strength to change that you cannot change, Jesus, by the power of his spirit, works in the inside of you and changes you from the inside out. Amen? I want to pray for you. But before I do so, let me just share one testimony with you. Years ago, I was, I was uncooked and undone. Yes, just truly. My only desire was to own a nightclub, have parties, and do all kinds of crazy things. Yes. In fact, I opened the nightclub. And then one man that was working with me at that time came to me and said, Bank, you need God. And I said, what? Need God? I am God. Why would I need God? I thought I had everything. I thought the world offered me so much and I was going to take it. And then for days later, the words of Rodney Jackson rang deep in my heart. I kept on hearing him say to me, God, you, I mean rather, bank, you need God. Bank, you need God. Two weeks later, I went and found him out of my job and said, Rodney, what are you talking about? Where is your church? I went to the church. Needless to say, making a long story short, in that one service, first time that I went there, my wife and I were gloriously born again. Now, up to this moment that we became born again, I had taken six months leave of absence from my job just so I could give my time and energy to this new club that we just started called the Afro-Caribbean Connection. 
Yeah, that was in there. Six months leave of absence. And week number two of my leave of absence, I ran into the Lord Jesus Christ in a glorious way. God born again. The point I'm trying to make is, nobody told me to go back and leave the club. I did not hear a message on that. Nobody tried to impress me on holiness and don't do this, don't do that. None of that. But when I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, he, Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, oh God, came into my heart and gloriously helped me to understand that I did not belong in the club. I belonged instead in the kingdom. And from that day forward, I never returned back to the club. I share that testimony because I want you to know, don't continue to defer the day of your salvation because you have to get this right and get that right. No! Tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the time for your salvation. Say this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this glorious opportunity to become a child of God. You came unto your own and your own received not. But to as many as received you, you give the power to become children of God, even unto those that believe on your name. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift of forgiveness and the gift of righteousness. I receive Jesus into my heart. I thank you because you sent him to the cross to die for my sins and raise him from the dead for my victory. And so, Lord, I thank you. I accept Jesus, and according to your word, I'm born again. Hallelujah! Welcome to the kingdom of the Most High God. You are now a child of God. Don't believe any lie the devil tells you. If you said that prayer and you meant it, welcome to the kingdom of the Most High God. I have one more prayer I want to pray. I know there are many people right now who are very, very scared. Scared because they are losing their jobs. Scared because for those that didn't lose their jobs, there is a loss of pay. Scared because perhaps the business is failing as a result of what's happening. I just want to pray a prayer of provision if you find yourself in any of those categories. I want to assure you that God has you in his heart. If you just believe and be at rest, you will see your provision. Amen? You know, the same God that provided for Elijah through a raven is looking at you right now. The same God who sent manna down from heaven to feed Israel in the wilderness is on your case. That God, when Israel complained about flesh and meat, that God has supplied them with quills, is he the one that will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That God that multiplied the loaves and the fishes to feed the multitude, is still able to do so in your case now. That God that made a way for the widow of Zarephath in a time of desperation, that same God is willing and able, and I know he can, and I know he will, to work a miracle in your situation. The Bible says he owns the cattle 
on a thousand hills. And all silver and all gold, it belongs unto him. Will this God make a way for you? And I answer that with a resounding yes. He will make a way for you. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. As there was a Goshen in Egypt, there will be a Goshen for you right now. And so I want to pray. I want to pray. Father, I thank you that all over the world, your people are gripped with fear. They are gripped with anxiety and worried about their welfare. But you are the one that assures us that if you take care of the sparrows hmm, and a lily on the field, how much more would you not do for those that belong to you? You are the one that provided for Elijah with a raven, an unclean bird in his time of need. You send the manna unto Israel from heaven. And so, Lord God, I thank you that you that did these things, you are able to do them again. Because your hand is not so short that you cannot save. All the silver, all the gold, they belong unto you. You own the cattle on the thousand hills. Your name is the great El Shaddai, the almighty one. You are the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. Thank you, Father God, that you are making a way now. Even as I speak, miracles are happening. Supplies are being made. Doors are opening. You are the way maker. Make a way for your people. You are the miracle worker. Work a miracle in that situation. You are the promise keeper. Thank you that you are keeping your promises concerning your people. You said you hasten over your word to perform it. You said your word will not return unto you void. So I stand together with my brothers and my sisters all over the world. That your word will not fail in this hour. It cannot, it will not. In the name of Jesus, you are a covenant-keeping God. That's why your name is Jehovah Adonai, the covenant-relating God. And so, Lord God Adonai, we bring you into our situation. Thank you that you move by your spirit. I pray over your churches, my Lord God. We've not been able to meet. Our people are not able to gather. And that means loss of income. And so, Lord God, I pray for churches all over the world that you will find a way to meet their needs. In the name of Jesus. Rents will be paid, lights will turn on. Everything that needs to happen, it will happen, it will not miss. Thank you, Papa. We honor you today. We bless your name. Our hearts are steadfast. Our eyes looking and focused upon you. You are the great God of the new universe. You have never failed. You will not fail. I thank the Lord Jesus. I thank the Lord. You said that from the rising of the sun to its setting, there is none besides you. That's what you said. He said, you are the Lord and there's no other. And so, Father, in this hour, we acknowledge you just like that. Thank you, Father God, that even this shall pass. And in and through this, your church will stand tall in this fine hour and display your glory and usher in a revival of the kind which we've never seen before. We bless you, Father. We praise you now, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, my friends, we're going to come back to you on Wednesday. No, no, no. We're going to come back to you on Tuesday at 8 p.m., Wednesday at 7.30, and again on Friday at 12 noon on these same platforms. Thank you so much for your time, for allowing us to come to your space. We bless you. We love you. And we thank God for you. Expect great things from God and go out and attempt Great things for God in this hour. Thank you.